following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. Your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Today, how many years ago, Paul McCartney and John Lennon met? It was 1957. 1957. As they met at the Walton Church Parish Feet, where the quarrymen were appearing. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's interesting. Because I thought the Beatles were called the Quarry Men before uh, they became the Beatles. But evidently it was in an altogether different group. I think it, the way I'm reading it, maybe McCartney had started that band. and then, Okay. And then Lennon picked up a guitar and wanted to join the band. I see. So, um, so Paul was on the ticket there. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah. It's funny how these things happen. Let me read the psalm. Kick it off with psalm number one. Might as well start at the beginning. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous." For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I want to talk a little bit about um, Donald Trump's um, address, which I did not watch in its entirety, on the 4th of July. But I've come to understand that it was one of the most powerful addresses uh, that a chief executive has made because of its not dwelling on politics and not being partisan. The uh, I'm going to read from an article here. Uh, opinion article the resistance warned us that if we elected an authoritarian such as donald trump eventually there would be tanks in the streets of our nation's capital well on thursday their 
predictions finally came true. And there were tanks in the streets because of the uh, fact that it was a military uh, 4th of July display. Um, under Eisenhower, uh, they had 4th of July um, displays that actually had nuclear bombs in them. So, you know, lines and lines of tanks. And the liberals were screaming about the fact that there was going to be a, a tank or two. Um, and the, there's precedents that in the past uh, we've had huge displays of uh, military firepower in a 4th of July um, parade. Harvard Law Professor Lawrence Tribe tweeted a photo of tanks arriving in Washington for Trump's salute to America and declared the resemblance to days before Tiananmen Square is chilling. At Tiananmen Square in Beijing in 1989, the Chinese regime broke up pro-democracy protests with tanks and troops. And the deaths could have been in the hundreds. Yeah, same situation for sure. Of all the stupid freakouts we have experienced since Trump was elected, the hyperventilation over his 4th of July address and celebration on the mall may be the stupidest. His critics called his decision to insert himself into the Independence Day celebrations virtually unprecedented. Sorry, but Trump is not the first U.S. president to give a major speech on the 4th of July. And the, the thing of it is, is that the left is so frothing at the mouth to discredit anything having to do with this president that sadly, uh, the good parts of his, um, of his term are being obliviated by um, the media. You don't see things talking about what a good president he has been because um, it's not in fashion to do that. Presidents Woodrow Wilson, John F. Kennedy, Gerald Ford, Bill Clinton, and George W. Bush all gave 4th of July addresses from Independence Hall in Philadelphia. And in 1986, Ronald Reagan delivered a 4th of July address from the deck of an aircraft carrier, the USS John Kennedy, strategically placed in front of the Statue of Liberty. Trump's address took this tradition to new heights on Thursday. Democrats complained before the speech that Trump was politicizing the 4th of July. That's absolutely not true. In a speech reminiscent of his outstanding remarks last month at Normandy, Trump delivered a soaring presidential address, a celebration of the greatness of our country. As we gather this evening in the joy of freedom, we remember that we all share a truly extraordinary heritage, Trump said. Together, we are part of one of the greatest stories ever told, the story of America. He went on to tell that story from our struggle for independence, the fight to abolish slavery and secure women's suffrage and civil rights. He called out the many great Americans who defined our national character, from Martin Luther King to Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, and Jackie Robinson. He celebrated our inventors and explorers, from Lewis and Clark to Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, the Wright brothers, Amelia Earhart, and the Apollo 11 astronauts. And he vowed we will plant the American flag on Mars because for America, nothing is impossible. How far does the left have to go in trying to basically destroy uh, the way we do business here in America? Um, the way that things are. You know, and and um, I look at it and just am amazed 
but I believe that the average person understands uh, some of what Trump is doing, unless that average person is a Democrat. And then in that case, they can't, you can't even talk to them. Uh, they're, they're, they're closed minded and that's contempt prior to investigation, which is always going to get you in trouble. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree show. It's news radio, six thirty WLAP. Election season. It's game time. Has begun. Defeat Trump. Winning again. Political football. On your election headquarters. 2020. And this season, we're ready. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. A fiduciary is a person or organization that owes to another the duties of good faith and trust. It is the highest legal duty of one party to another, and it means being bound ethically to act in the other's best interests. At Dupree Financial Group, we act as a fiduciary to our clients when managing their investments. This means simply that we put their interests first. We accept no commissions or transaction fees, only an asset-based percentage fee of our clients' assets, which directly aligns our interests with theirs. Think about it. A financial advisor who does well when you do well. If you'd like to know more about how this might work for you, give us a call at Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 for a no-obligation meeting and a discussion of your account. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Tom Dupree show. Here's another opinion article about the 4th of July speech. Why do I think this is a big deal? Well, presidents, one of the things that they do is they summarize where we are as a people. And uh, this president has decided to make it his theme to talk about how great America really is in, in his own personal optimism about America. It was now we know why the Democrats were so upset about President Trump speaking on the 4th of July. It was not because it was political or partisan. It was patriotic, and that's what annoys the left the most. We're going to talk a little bit about how this uh, – Nike sneaker got kicked off the market that had the Be Betsy Ross flag on it because uh, it was considered uh, a throwback to the days of slavery, which we're not supposed to acknowledge anymore. That's because Colin Kaepernick is now the arbiter of what we should and should not do in America. Several days before Trump's speech, we heard that Trump was hijacking Independence Day and turning it into a campaign rally. But Trump never mentioned the 2020 campaign in his speech. We heard that Trump's desire to have tanks in the National Mall was an out-and-out -out authoritarian performance. But that wasn't really the issue. Neither was the fake outrage over the cost. There was no mention of political opponents and no mention of the fake news media. 
And this wasn't Trump co-opting the nation's birthday to celebrate himself. In fact, for a man who loves to talk about his accomplishments, he never mentioned himself. No, Trump did something far more dangerous to the left. He gave America a strong dose of patriotism. He gave Americans a lesson on the great people, heroes, and accomplishments over the last 243 years. Earlier in the week, the New York Times ran a video arguing America isn't the greatest nation on earth, that the U.S. is really just okay. Think about this. Um, the leading newspaper in the United States running an article or running a video basically arguing that America is just okay, it's not that great. Without mentioning the times or the video, Trump proceeded to tell us about America's greatness for nearly an hour, interrupted only by applause, flyovers, and military songs. At one point, I thought, who is this guy, and what have they done with President Trump? Today, we come together as one nation with a very special salute to America, said Trump. We celebrate our history, our people, and the heroes who proudly defend our flag the brave men and women of the United States military. And boy, did he. Starting with the America's War for Independence, Trump quoted the words and deeds of Americans that have long been forgotten but need to be remembered. Trump told the story of General George Washington as he readied his troops to fight the British invasion. He said Washington's message to his troops laid bare the stakes. He wrote, the fate of unborn billions will, millions will now depend under God on the courage and conduct of this army. We have, therefore, resolved to conquer or die. We're, we are the millions who benefited from their sacrifice. In reminding the Eric, America of the great acts of past generation, Trump brought it to the present by honoring our first responders, all of the men and women of law enforcement. He also honored the Gold Star families who made it the ultimate sacrifice. You know, this is exactly what we need at this time in our, our country's history. We need a lesson in what America really is and what history teaches us about who we are as a people the the left complains about slavery and periods of time in the past when uh there were was slavery but only in america was it a nation that could take an institution like slavery and because of our own unique um uh, framing was able to ultimately eradicate it it couldn't be done in other countries because they didn't have the novel idea about the place of man in God's universe, the freedom of man to basically act um, on his own behalf, to do well when others do well, and to um, seek freedom for every human being over time. And this is what the promise of America is. And it was this country that was able to eradicate and do away with slavery. So you go back to periods of time when we had slavery and say that we don't want to acknowledge those. That's the wrong way of looking at it because the trajectory was going to be past slavery and into an area of freedom that that was the country was still in formation at that time um so we had this big flap this week about the betsy ross flag nike shoe what do you think about that uh curtis in terms of uh Nike's depending upon Colin Kaepernick to tell them what to do. Well, they paid him a lot of money. <laughs> I know that. So, yeah. I, mean, I guess I understand listening to him from that standpoint, but I think he, he's overstepped a little bit yeah. here. 
What what does he do for them actually? He's just a spokesperson, the way I understand it. Yeah. I mean, in commercials and such. Right. One of the primary drivers of American success as a country involves our steadfast refusal to fall into tribalism that affects much of the world. This is by Steve Cortez from Real Clear Politics. America, unlike so many nations, finds its identity not in blood and soil, but instead in broad agreement on a core set of principles. Those shared beliefs form the core of our founding. Tenets of our common creed include individual liberty, free enterprise, economics, tolerance, and the inalienable rights educated, elucidated in our Constitution. Also deeply embedded in our national psyche is a reverence for our great flag to a unique degree among nations. Sadly, elites of entertainment, big business, and politics look askance at this reverence and view our common respect for such a symbol as a hindrance to the balkanized America they promote. Rather than hundreds of millions of individuals united in principles, they seek a society demarcated by factions that share outward physical characteristics, especially race. The contentious crusade towards tribalism reared its ugly head again with Nike acquiescing to the demands of the politically correct mob. Ahead of July 4th, it recalled a new line of athletic shoes commemorating the original Betsy Ross flag that was delivered to George Washington during the American Revolution. Nike endorser Colin Kaepernick objected that the founding flag of our country represents racism because America then allowed slavery. See, what I would argue was that the trajectory of America at that time was to be beyond slavery. That the whole American idea would ultimately eradicate slavery. Without remotely excusing the inhuman evil of slavery in our land, it is important to acknowledge that slavery was quite literally a global norm until about 200 years ago. Thus, such thinking would condemn any flags or symbols older than a couple of centuries as intrinsically racist in meaning. Moreover, our country paid an incredible price later on to right the historic wrong of slavery. Though the founders clearly punted on the issue at the birth of our republic, seven decades later, our union spilled rivers of blood to achieve emancipation. On the low end, historians estimate 360,000 Union troops died in the Civil War. Adjusted for population growth, that number is equivalent to present-day America losing over 5 million people in battle, not to mention Confederate troops. That People loved them, too. They had families. They had lives and beliefs stay with us news radio 630 wlap message and data rates may apply when did it become okay for men to be lazier we need to bring the men of this country back to greatness with ageless male max with an ingredient that helps boost your total testosterone try your first 30-day supply free just pay shipping and handling text the word hard to 60 60 60 if your results with ageless male max are too intense, please decrease use. Text HARD to 606060. Text H-A-R-D to 606060. Hi, it's Officer Don and Deanne. And here are this week's top podcasts on the iHeartRadio app. Number five. The Ben Shapiro Show. Number four. The Breakfast Club. Number three. The Joe Rogan Experience. Number two. The Bobby Bones Show. Number one. The Ron Burgundy Podcast. Hello, friends. This is Ron Burgundy. And boy, did we have a fun time with season one of the Ron Burgundy Podcast. Check out these and all your favorite podcasts all free on the iHeartRadio app. Number one for podcasts. Hi, it's Kevin Harvick. Join me this July as we celebrate 20 years of racing at Kentucky Speedway. Give it up for Kevin Harvick. Down to the strike by 36 thousandths of a second has won. Kentucky Speedway was the site of my first win in NASCAR competition, and that was really a turning point in my life and my career. Join us for a NASCAR Triple Header July 11th through the 13th, featuring the Quaker State 400 presented by Walmart under the lights Saturday night. Hey, it's Kyle Busch. Better get your tickets now at KentuckySpeedway.com. 
In California, a 7.1 magnitude earthquake just outside Ridgecrest, two hours north of Los Angeles. Residents like Mary fleeing without anything else, including her medication. I went off without it because I was trying to get out of the house. Everything was falling. And I was afraid to go back yet. It is the second big quake to hit the area in the last in two days along the same fault. ABC's Alex Stone is in Los Angeles and says some have been rocked with back-to-back -back damage. In Trona, California, right at the epicenter of the quakes, Penny Harvey and her husband thought they had been through the worst of it with Thursday's quake and then... Just heard the rumbling and then, you know, the shaking started and then it just kept building and building. She says during the 7.1 magnitude quake, their chimney broke off in the aftermath of this bigger quake. There have been reports of building fires. In Seismologists say hundreds of aftershocks will continue and warn a quake bigger than 7.1 could also occur within the next few weeks. Michelle Franz in ABC News. We're going to continue to hang on to a little steam across the area for our Saturday mid to upper 80s, but... Thunderstorms will try to blow up this afternoon and evening, especially any storm that is out there can be a bit on the strong side. We'll see a high on Sunday back into the mid-80s with more thunderstorms going up, certainly not raining all the time. And into Monday and Tuesday, we may dry it up a little bit. I'm WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP and iHeart Radio Station. Guys, waking up over and over to pee is not okay. But now you can reduce those nighttime bathroom trips with the ingredients in Super Beta Prostate P3 Advanced. We're talking about less urges to pee at night, less bathroom trips during the day, and better bladder emptying. It's like taking three prostate supplements in one. You can try a full 30-day bottle of P3 Advanced, free. Just pay shipping and handling. No strings attached, no obligations, and no commitments to buy. This is a 30-day supply, absolutely free. Call 1-800-394-5797. Super Beta Prostate is the best-selling brand in major retailers like Walmart. But for this no-strings-attached free bottle, you must call now. Call 1-800-394-5797. Don't miss out on this unprecedented free offer. Call 1-800-394-5797. 1-800-394-5797. Americans are always on the move. They're in the car, at the office, working around the house. Americans refuse to sit still. So how do you connect with all of these moving targets? Easy, with radio. Radio reaches 93% of Americans every week, more than Google, Facebook, even television. Because, hey, who has the time to sit and watch TV? So when you want to connect with all those constantly moving adults, teens, and millennials, get to iHeartMedia.com and put AMFM Radio to work for your company. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. We have John Short on the line. John Short, are you there? Where are you? I'm right here. I'm right here. Okay. You're you're right there. I'm right here at home, yeah. Okay. John, what's going on? Tell us what, uh, what's on your mind. Much, it was a, what's the great speech that Trump did Thursday night on Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Right. I enjoyed it. We play that speech every day the rest of the year. I agree with you. I agree. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but uh, it was it was powerful from what I read and just the parts I heard. Yes, it should have been read in Athens, Kentucky. It says what it should have been. Athens, <laughs> you you got something going with Athens. You 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 really like Athens, Kentucky, don't you? Why not? 
Why not? Might as well. That's right. I don't think Trump even heard of Athens, Kentucky. I don't think anybody in the media, the national media, heard of Athens. Well, the local media are hearing about it right now. That's right. We're talking about the people in New York and New Jersey and Tennessee, Mississippi, Louisiana. They know what Athens is. Yeah. They're missing out, aren't they? They are. They are. I know they are. Yeah. And if Trump picks one vice president, I think you ought to pick people like Judge Neen or Laura Ingram or Richard Gabriel or Pamela Geller, somebody like that for vice president. Right. I don't know if he's going to. Now, is Pence going to be on the ticket in 2020? Pence? Yep. Yeah, from what I understand. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say it is. Yeah. And we get a lot of football recruiting in this week. Right. That's also good. That is. I mean, do you think Kentucky's going to do as well next year as they did this past year? Here's how it will be 15 wins, no setbacks, no ties. Curtis, what do you think about that uh, prediction there? Uh, That's John Schwartz's prediction every year. Yeah. You've got to hold to it. 15-0. and 0, that, <laughs> That's if you win the playoff games and the national championship. So the only team to do that this past year was uh, Clemson, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we uh, start breaking out the champagne already for a national championship victory? Yeah. Here's what, here's what I think being accustomed by playoffs. Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Alabama. Georgia, Alabama is going to be in it. We know that. Yeah. yeah. Kentucky, Vanderbilt in too. Vanderbilt in football? Yeah. Along with Kentucky and Georgia, Alabama. Yeah, I, I got the Georgia, Alabama part of it. I don't know about the Vanderbilt part. Hope everybody from the SEC network is listening. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. Well, John, you got anything else for us? Yeah, there's a new audio book I want. If it is an audio book, called A Savage Life, if it's, uh, if it's an audio version. Okay. You're trying to get that book? Yeah, like, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, if it's an audio version. The Savage Life. Yeah. All right, we'll see if it's out there for you. Sounds good. All right. You take care, John. You too, West Great American. Thank you. Appreciate it. 15 and 0. You heard it right here. So, sticking with politics, uh, this article from uh, by Ford O'Connell in The Hill saying Trump is still on track to win re election. Back in December, I penned an op ed making the case that President Donald Trump would likely win re election. At the time, Newsweek insinuated I was off my rocker. They were not alone. Throngs of folks on social media and via email informed me that I probably rode the short bus to school in my early days and everyone would be better served if I just went away. Well, I'm here to tell you that Trump is even closer to winning re-election now than he was at the end of last year. By the way, I don't make predictions. I'm simply reflecting an uh, opinion that uh, someone else has here. I will say this, that when he was going into election in 2016, every poll showed him losing. So you have to be careful about trusting polls. Heading into 2020, Trump's primary strengths remain incumbency. Since 1900, nearly 80% of incumbent presidents have been reelected and the economy. Since FDR, every incumbent president who has avoided a recession in the lead-up to an election year was re-elected. A trade trade or truce or deal with China will most likely ensure a recession does not occur before next November. Contrarians point to national polls and the slew of battleground state surveys, including Florida, and argue that Trump is losing big to a handful of candidates and therefore is toast. The situation is certainly not ideal for Trump, but early polling from presidential 
Previous presidential tilts suggest the media and anti-Trump forces are getting way ahead of themselves. Who can forget that in June of 1983, eventual Democratic nominee Walter Mondale was leading President Reagan by 10 points, or that in June of 2011, a generic Republican candidate was leading Obama by five points. Something totally unforeseen happens, such as a major military conflict, the global economy tanks, a Thomas Eagleton situation grips the Democratic Party, Trump becomes ill, etc. This is going to be a close race. The country is just that evenly divided, and thus the race will likely be decided by a handful of states. The biggest hurdle the Trump re-election faces is that his disapproval rating has hovered above 50% for quite some time. The Democrats can thank their willing accomplices in the press for that. So what does Trump need to do to win re-election? His team can start by taking a page out of the 2012 Obama campaign playbook, and that is precisely what they're doing. They should, uh, as Obama 2012 campaign Ben LeBolt points out, recent successful incumbent presidents prevailed by executing a two-year campaign to exploit a contentious primary on the other side, reconnect with their base of supporters, and define the election as a choice, not a referendum. After all, who can forget Mitt Romney being labeled a serial dog abuser long before he received the 2012 presidential nomination as a result of taking a family trip with the dog riding in his crate up in the car on the roof, up on the car roof. Yes, the Trump reelect didn't officially kick off until mid-June of 2019 in Florida, a must-win state for Trump and the crown jewel of his campaign's electoral strategy. But since March, the president has held numerous rallies in other key battleground states to remind his core supporters exactly what is stake in 2020. Given that Trump is a dogged campaigner, this will most certainly continue. So uh, what has been eluding the Trump campaign is how to best disqualify the 2020 Democratic field before the party is able to officially select a nominee, but the campaign's prayers may have been answered thanks to an assist from Democrats themselves. Yes, the Democratic contenders have been an insane race to the left in an effort to win over their primary voters. From single-payer health care and the elimination of private health insurance to free college and its massive student debt forgiveness to letting imprisoned convicts vote, there seems to be no line they aren't willing to cross in their pandering. Normally, all of this would be disqualifying on its face, but it hasn't yet proven to be an albatross for the blue team's general election chances. This all changed during the second night of the first Democratic presidential debates in Miami. When former Vice President Joe Biden, Senator Senator Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg and the others on the debate all raised their hands indicating their respective health plans would provide free coverage for illegal immigrants. They gave the Trump reelect the opening it needed to move to 2020 from a referendum to a choice election. This came as part of a one-two punch to working house voters. And that was a big deal when they all said that they would allow basically illegal immigrants to get on health care for free. It's not free. On, on illegal immigration, 2020 Democrats aren't even trying to hide the ball. Their message is loud and clear. Every illegal immigrant who crosses the border for whatever reason should not be detained. Just about all should get to stay indefinitely, complete with benefits from free health care to free education and maybe even free puppies by the time this campaign is over with. And when it comes to the taxpayer's dime, what voters are hearing is that illegal immigrants come first and certainly before American citizens and the working class. Even New York Magazine's Andrew Sullivan, who is no fan of Trump, is proclaiming that the Democratic candidates are in a bubble on immigration. Stay with us. 
You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP. The news you want to know. This is a large enough earthquake. Stay in the know. Border Patrol did not train to be doctors and nurses. More people working, earning higher wages from their success. Check in for the very latest. This information. With News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. A fiduciary is a person or organization that owes to another the duties of good faith and trust. It is the highest legal duty of one party to another, and it means being bound ethically to act in the other's best interests. At Dupree Financial Group, we act as a fiduciary to our clients when managing their investments. This means simply that we put their interests first. We accept no commissions or transaction fees, only an asset-based percentage fee of our clients' assets, which directly aligns our interests with theirs. Think about it. A financial advisor who does well when you do well. If you'd like to know more about how this might work for you, give us a call at Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 for a no-obligation meeting and a discussion of your account. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. celebrate the Beatles coming together on this day in 1957. The San Francisco board last week authorized $600,000 in spending to destroy a mural depicting George Washington at a high school name for him. Now it's interesting. This is, this is a mural that was done at a high school in San Francisco, the mural was done during the uh, New Deal era, so back in the 30s, by a communist who was against George Washington and who depicted several scenes uh, where they were standing over a dead Indian and where their people were enslaved. And it was meant to be uh, basically a a primer on how George Washington and the founding of this country wasn't so great, but the the current um, ways of looking at this have now decided that, well, this is offensive to people and we've got to get rid of it. And so therefore they're going to paint over what is something of a work of art and it was came from a left-wing perspective to begin with. And they're going to try to get rid of this. It's rude and disrespectful to pe- people's cultures, a junior at the school told the San Francisco Chronicle. This is from Daniel J. Flynn in the American Spectator. But I do understand the sensitivity of about it being art. It's a difficult position to be in. The school board's vice president, Mark Sanchez, maintains painting it over represents not only a symbolic fresh start, but a real fresh start. 
The censorship follows the removal of an early day statue which depicted an American Indian lying at the feet of a Spanish cowboy and Catholic missionary outside the San Francisco Public Library in September. The city's historic preservation committee voted unanimously to remove it, and the Arts Commission dubbed the 2,000-pound sculpture disrespectful, misleading, and racist in unanimously voting to censor it. The school board similarly found no opposition in its ranks in vowing voting to paint over the Washington mural. Despite a New Deal program funding it, a communist artist painting it, and its message in depicting slavery and a dead ending as clearly critical of Washington. See, it's like we don't want anything reminding us of history. The biggest thing to destroying a nation is to destroy its memory. The free speech moment movement gained, called the Bay Area home in the 1960s, and a decade earlier, Allen Ginsberg published his racy poetry through the City Lights Bookstore's publishing arm. A place that once imagined itself as a safe harbor from censors now looks to Savonarola and Mullah Omar, Muhammad Omar as guides. In other words, censorship. Unsurprisingly, Google, Twitter, and other tech companies headquartered in the area follow and lead the intolerant zeitgeist. So it's it's gone from being a free speech area to an area where speech is censored. And this is what happens when you have freedom without morality. Ultimately, it leads to censorship. Counterintuitively, the people with the most to gain from the tolerance of others often exhibit the least tolerance to others. Telling people what to do remains a more universal impulse than live and let live. Everyone wants toleration or something more. Not everyone tolerates. While San Francisco bans the foremost founding father, it celebrates those who aided and abetted a notorious city resident who demanded that even his mother call him father. That's Jim Jones from the uh, People's Temple. As discussed more comprehensively in Cult City, Jim Jones, Harvey Milk, and the 10 Days That Shook San Francisco, many buildings, bridges, and boulevards in the city bear the names of those who tarnished the city by burnishing the name of Jim Jones. Carlton B. Goodlett, whose name now gives his city hall his street address, claimed that Jonestown gives people hope, shows that dreams come true, and represents the wave of the future. So you have in San Francisco, uh, you have a um, a tolerance for, you have a twisted sort of view on reality. Um, well, this talks about uh, how Dr. Goodlett um, actually was talking about Jim Jones as a man who attempted to practice his Christianity while he was leading 900 people to death in Jonestown in Guyana. When evidence of Jones's abuse and insanity mounted, Harvey Milk used his office to provide the cult leader credibility. Such greatness I have found at Jim Jones's people's temple, he assured Guyanese, Prime Minister Forbes Burnham, Reverend Jones is widely known in the minority communities here and elsewhere as a man of the highest character who has undertaken constructive remedies for social problems. He explained to Jimmy Carter, urging him not to intervene on behalf of parents wanting their kidnapped son returned from Guyana. He ended up returning in a coffin. In a letter to Carter Cabinet Secretary Califano, Harvey Milk called Jonestown a beautiful retirement community, characterized People's Temple as transforming criminals into good citizens and bizarrely called a group that imported food into its agricultural project until the end and counting starving individuals in its ranks as alleviating the world food crisis. 
San Francisco honors Milk with a terminal at its airport, a school, and a square all named for him. So if you go to San Francisco, you're going to get a different view of, of reality that uh, perhaps you wouldn't get otherwise. And I also want to get onto the jobs report that, that took place. We'll talk about this a little more in the next hour. President Trump on Friday touted an ex- unexpectedly good June jobs report and claimed the gains would be record-breaking if the Federal Reserve did not raise interest rates throughout his term. <laughs> he really is big on the Fed and and telling them what to do. Speaking to reporters at the White House, the president said he was very happy about the monthly employment report released by the Labor Department earlier Friday, which showed a gain of 224,000 jobs in June. We had great numbers this morning, said Troop, Trump. Troop. President Troop. Uh, those were really unexpectedly good, and our country continues to do well, really well. The June employment report far exceeded expectations from private sector economists who projected the U.S. to add roughly 160,000 jobs last month. Interestingly, because the job report is done uh, well, it actually can act as a, a potential for not lowering interest rates, which could actually be a negative for the market, the stock market. So we'll see what happens there. Stay with us. We're going to talk more about the markets and, and things of that nature in the second hour. we got Mike Johnson in the house. And uh, we'll get into some of those things. If we had a Fed that would lower interest rates, you would have a rocket ship, Trump said. When Obama was here, he paid close zero interest rates. I'm paying real interest. Stay with us. News Radio 630 WLAP.